you know, if you have the ability to unlock and unleash data to a larger group of people who are not specialized, skilled people, you will see decisions get better in your company. You will see the quality of your people improve. You will see innovative ideas come out of nowhere. And that's the power here. Welcome to the CIO Exchange podcast, where we talk about what's working, what's not, and what's next. I'm eating Porter de Leon. What role does data literacy and data democratization play in your overall strategy? And how has that been changed by the increased focus on AI use cases for the business? Striking the balance between data access and security has always been a nuanced challenge for tech leaders long before the rise of generative AI. But how can CIOs democratize their data, increase data access, and improve speed to insights, all while navigating governance, regulatory, and security concerns in a new environment where there is an even greater demand for that data? Today's guest, Trevor Schultz, CIO of Alteryx, points out we're in the intelligence era and it's all about the data. In this conversation, we discuss tackling the mismatch between data supply and demand, and how progressive companies, particularly in fintech, focus on security while democratizing their data in order to achieve faster time to insights and accelerating the growth of their business. So we've talked on this podcast about upskilling, data literacy, and competition for talent in tech. You recently wrote in an article about ways to upskill your IT teams with data literacy in the era of intelligence and AI. What's the most essential thing for CIOs to be thinking about? And what also, what do you mean when you say intelligence? Yeah, I get that question a lot, but I've been coining that. It's an amazing and crazy time to be a CIO. We are really witnessing a once in a generation inflection point, which I've been using the term era of intelligence. There's no formal definition right. on that. And really what it means is AI-driven technologies are now becoming commercial. They've been around for a while, a number of decades. They're really becoming commercial-oriented solutions to business problems. And I think we've spent probably 10 years talking about machine learning, deep learning, this other branch mm -hmm. that's really expanded, neural networks, advanced data analytics, robotics, et cetera. But, you know, the most recent darling that everyone wants to talk about is generative AI. Yeah, it's kind of a hot topic right now. A few people are talking about it, aren't they, Trevor? I know one or two. I might see some. You can't tell them really talk about it. And, and, you know, generative AI really, it's a whole different set of things, but really it's the emergence of natural language processing and visual compute. Yeah. And just to take a pause there too, because I don't, I know we're, we're talking about literacy and AI piece and we are in a really unique place. We're not going to go, I think, down hype conversation. And so I think Trevor, you and I, what we're going to be tackling, I think is really sort of enabling teams rather than talking about sort of the potential of AI. And I think if those listeners too want to listen to that sort of a one-on-one about sort of what CIOs should know about AI. There's another episode called Generative AI, what CIOs should know. Please go listen to that episode. I think Trevor and I, are, you, you and I are going to, going to move that conversation forward. So I'd love to sort of hear your thoughts about how you're enabling teams, how you're, you're addressing what's going on. Yeah. And, and I think for CIOs to think about is really what can they do to take advantage of those capabilities? And if you just sort of pull back all the hype, data really is the lifeblood of these intelligent systems. So, you know, IT leaders really are paying more attention to data. We always paid attention to data, right? That's our job. Mm -hmm. But really we have to refresh and rethink and reimagine what we have to do in order to enable these intelligent systems to really take advantage of advanced capabilities. So data literacy should be top of mind. 
as professionals in this area, we have a tendency to think that everyone understands what data is and how it's formed and how it's moved around companies or organizations. And we have more and more people participating now where their jobs are digital. And we've talked about digital transformation and that's been beaten to the ground, but it really is now more than ever, this is top of mind. How do you understand and deploy a modern data stack so that you can take advantage of these broader outcomes of these intelligent systems? And then the second thing that I think people really are, are needing to kind of wrap their arms around is the democratization of data and analytics. Most companies have thousands of systems that are spewing out data and everyone wants to get their hands on it because that's how they can show a competitive advantage. We at Alteryx really believe that not just for our product, but for the whole industry, that democratization of data and analytics and getting it into the hands of everyone in the company and them being literate enough to be able to take advantage of it and also understand the challenges of that, you know, and we could probably talk about the ethical considerations, privacy, bias. There's a whole bunch of big things to dig in. There's a couple of really big ideas though, that I really want to take a closer look at. One is data literacy, because you said everyone feels like, no, they understand data, they know data, but what really is data literacy when you really expect someone on your team, for example, to be data literate? What does that mean? What do they need to achieve to do? Well, there's, there's kind of like a punch list of things. So I can talk about my team in IT, or I can say in a general organization, but you really have to start with the people aspects, right? Data literacy, people have a tendency to fall into technologies really quickly. But I, I think the most important topic around data literacy is for the people itself. People talk about how do we get capabilities to them and the right data quality, but really I think most CIOs and most companies need to really define this importance of data literacy. It's crucial core to an organization. People talk about a data-driven culture. What does that mean? It means that you need to encourage and reward people to ask and seek questions through data. I like that, to ask and seek questions through data, because I think that's a, a very important lens to look through. So you're looking through that lens, people are going to behave differently. People are going to operate differently, use tools differently. So I'd, I'd love to hear some stories about how your team's looking through that sort of that lens. Yeah. People come to me and they're like, Hey, you know, we want to, we want to build something new, or we believe we have a capability that the business is asking for. And I always tell my team, I personally, me, I have data-driven conversations, right? There's always wisdom and intelligence that people bring to the table, which you have to absolutely, you know, embrace. But I look for underpinnings of data and how did they get that data? Where do they get the information to draw that conclusion to, to be able to say, this is the right decision to move forward. So I'm pushing my team to use data for every day. And in our business at Alteryx, we have a, a unique advantage. We have a tool that helps people gather and synthesize and be able to, to wrangle that data into something that's usable. You know, and that's really powerful. I mean, the fact that you have at the company, you have a lot of the resources, you have all the product team resources, you have all the technical you know, resources to be able to leverage the tool in ways that companies, some companies can only dream of. Some are just being onboarded with your tool and just scratching the surface and your team can get super deep, super quick. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a huge advantage and I see the future. And the future is that democratization. You know, when you have a technology like Alteryx available to you, when you're involved in the data and analytics ecosystem, like name a partner, Snowflake, Databricks, we engage with all these companies. I have a unique view, which I love. 
And what I'm seeing is now and going forward, you can't run your business without having that deep insight and to be able to draw upon areas that you never thought were possible before. And that's the innovation I'm seeing right now is people looking around and saying, hey, I used to not be able to get this piece of data, or now I can merge these two pieces of data. And it all seems very basic. But when, you, when you've gone through the last five years and you've seen thousands of new startups come with new capabilities and transactional workflows, there's data everywhere, more than ever before. And that's, and that's a problem too, there's data everywhere, more than ever before. Yeah, it's everywhere. The disaggregation of data continues. Multi-cloud data warehouses and thousands of SaaS applications out there. And people want to get their hands on because human beings have this beautiful insight to getting to a decision and, and that discovery process of gathering data and putting it together in unique ways and coming to unique, innovative answers is the future. No, I love that way that you say that because it is, it's that journey that's taking data and using it to help you move forward on a specific trajectory to help you make a decision and achieve a certain business outcome. And you said something I think that was really important previously, and that's about how important the data is as a differentiator. Proprietary data, being able to leverage, let's say with an analytics tool, a large learning model, various different ways, but that data, that course data set is a strategic advantage, but some companies are having difficulty taking that data and doing something actionable with it. I mean, the great story, of course, is let's say Bloomberg has amazing proprietary data. They put that in a large learning model or they run data analytics using various tools and then they can come with just really profoundly great insights, but not every organization has the capabilities to easily do that. What are some of the challenges you're seeing some companies, some CIOs have with being able to take that proprietary data and really get the value out of it that they want? Yeah, and there's a couple of different ways to look at this. When I talk to other CIOs and I'm out there talking to our customers, one of the key items that come up is governance, top mind, and it's a broad topic. Then usually what people are asking about is control. And that's okay, right? We as IT professionals are very used to controls and building controls and making sure that risk is mitigated. It's a propensity for us to do that. And that's right. But it's good to have that in your DNA. Yeah. I mean, you've got regulatory challenges, you've got compliance challenges, you have customer expectations that I handle their data. With governance, I look at it as, yes, access control is one piece of it, but you have to start thinking of your data not as one thing. It's a spectrum of information that's out there where you can have your finance or deep secret IP that you want to put a lot of control around, but there's a large amount of data in a company that doesn't need that level of deep oversight. And so when you're thinking about governance, you have to start thinking about dynamic governance. And the reason why it's such an important topic is because if you can figure out that right balance of access, of oversight, of making sure that it's being run properly, or, or if it's available to the right people, you can dot, dot, dot on that topic. You know, if you have the ability to unlock and unleash data to a larger group of people who are not specialized, skilled people, you will see decisions get better in your company. You will see the quality of your people improve. You will see innovative ideas come out of nowhere. And that's the power here. Yeah, that is, I really want to, to look at that or sort of zoom in on that because 
that is really, really powerful. There's data access where people are operating a certain way. People have momentum. They do things in a certain way. But if you then insert into that workflow, access to data, not just a dump of data, but the right data at the right time right. for the right person, then that transforms the way that they make decisions and the way that they perform the workflow. I think that's really incredible. And you talk about how you need to be able to do that with a dynamic governance process and look at data in that spectrum that you talk about. And you talk about data democratization and the importance of increasing data access within organizations, especially in the intelligence era. Where do you see as those primary benefits of increasing the data access to the right people at the right time? Most importantly, actually, how do, how do you do that? Because it's nuanced. It's very nuanced. And there's a lot, it's fraught with, like you said, regulatory concerns, et cetera. Yeah. If you step back and think, get through the buzzword bingo, there's three major tenets of businesses that people think about. One is how do you you know, increase revenue or how do you increase margin? The second is customer experience, you know, how you improve that customer journey. And the other is the employee experience, how you improve productivity. Like those are the big three. If you think about the data that people have to get access to, to do their jobs, it's there. And the problem is that people can't get their hands on it. Mm -hmm. I think that's that frustration with most organizations. They know it's there and finance is frustrated. Marketing is frustrated. Why can't we get at the right data? And then sometimes they get access to it and they say, think it's the wrong data, but they're just not looking at it right. I mean, you've, you've had a lot of experience, I'm sure that. Yeah. And now we've hired a lot of these data scientists. We have data engineers, we have data analysts, and that's fine. This is a precious, finite group of people who can help solve some business problems. The challenge we have today is, is that the demand and supply is mismatched. The demand for insight, the demand for the ability to get access to data and to be able to self-service in simple platforms to be able to do their job better, it's a mismatch. You can't go to a centralized data science team and stand in a line. You don't have time for that. So that's why this democratization and data literacy topic is so important because you go from how do you get the most powerful people in the company access to the precious resources to Everyone can get access to data. And again, it's a spectrum of governance. Don't forget that. But everyone now can do their job better and they can unlock innovation. They can unlock better customer experiences. They can unlock potential revenue and innovation ideas because they're participating in this data economy. Trevor, I love that. That is brilliant the way you say that. The supply demand mismatch of data access, because it is, that's the bridge you're trying to gap right now in democratization is get, is solve that supply demand data mismatch. That's exactly what the people are struggling with. How are you tackling that mismatch? I have a wonderful company I work for. <laughs> All <works. laughs> And I'm not here to pitch that, but it, I do believe that you have to create a modern data stack for your company. And that modern data stack has to be simple. It has to be understandable. And it has to be like low code, no code. You know, you, you don't want a bunch of engineers saying, I'm going to help you get access to your data. You want to have this democratized governance model, data literate people who have access to tools to allow them to self-discover what's out there in a safe way today. That's the future. So at Alteryx, I have this ability because I, I run Alteryx and that is allowing people to grab information in a multi-cloud environment that. I don't care if which hyperscaler this data is in. We touch all their partners of ours. I don't care which SaaS system you're in. You know, there, there has to be some oversight. Like, no, you can't go into my ERP system and look at that data. You have to get some approvals because super sensitive and you may see something you shouldn't. 
But then there's all the long tail of stuff out there, workflow tools, productivity tools, sensing of data out in the industry. You have to have this platform and modern data stack to be able to allow people to go out and do that discovery. And that's what people are begging for today. Yeah, I like the fact that you point out that people can't stand in line. They need to get access to it right now. And getting access to it, though, it's not easy. And when you talk about creating that modern data stack too, I know there'll be some people who will say out there, well, I have, I have a modern data stack. Or yeah, I have a modern data stack, but modern data stacks can't be simple. Modern data stacks can't be low code, no code. I don't see how I can bridge the gap from a modern data stack and not having an engineer or somebody like an engineer give you access to your data. What would you say in that kind of conversation? I would say that I've been doing this a long time <laughs> and I could multiple disruptions in the industry. I remember back when mobile devices first came out and people said, oh my goodness, how are we going to secure the data on these mobile devices? Oh my goodness, people are going to be making decisions on apps that we don't have control over. Oh my goodness, this is going to change the world. And it did. And we all worked through it. Just as one example, I can go back every major inflection point. I started this conversation where we're in a once in a generational inflection point with these AI capabilities. And if you think that you're going to win as a company working in a data stack and an analytics stack that requires engineers to do the majority of the work for people to get their business answers or to do their discovery, you will fail because you're going to be competing against someone who's figured out how to democratize data and analytics in your company. And they're going to go, faster than you. They're going to innovate faster than you. They're going to understand customer sentiment and needs faster than you. And they're going to make their employees more productive faster than you. And remember, time to market matters in business. And in this era of like constant crisis, where you're constantly as technology leaders trying to figure out how to get insights to what is the latest. I mean, come on, every week there's something that you're reacting to. If you don't have a modern data stack that has all those attributes I talked to, and you aren't democratizing this capability, and you are going to continue with the old ways of thinking of supply and demand, and hey, here's our precious few people who are going to help you do these things, I can tell you your competition's going to beat you if you don't change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's some perspectives that some people think that the competitions are going to beat you and go faster. They're going to do it because they're going to do it in ways that may not be quite as secure, may not quite have the right compliance. And there are, there's some of that. There's some bad actors out there who have pushed the boundaries a little too far and they've run afoul of things like the SEC and other governance bodies that have to do with data privacy, et cetera, GDPR. But you often, you know, talk about how CIOs usually rank what matters to the most as let's say cybersecurity always on top. But now you're starting to see people who are saying, you know what, data and analytics now are in that top right next to cybersecurity. And I imagine that is right now a big balance because you're talking about data governments, dynamic data governments. You're talking about moving faster than particular, you know, than a smaller competitor that might be more nimble. Mm -hmm. You're talking about providing access to data in a way that you know each person's getting the right access to the right data and not to sensitive data. How are you balancing those? Those is that dynamic governance and the data access, but also the security too, while at the same time moving fast. So I'm asking you to solve all the problems out there for CIOs, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, you know, cyber always will be top of mind. So I think we all have to protect our businesses, right? But I think right now, because people are looking around and seeing this massive disruption, 
they're recognizing that they have to relook at their playbooks on governance. And we talked about that earlier. You can't ignore compliance. You can't ignore regulations. And there's some pretty well-defined, you know, most companies have pretty well-defined which pieces of data that you have to have those levels of controls around. We touch pretty much every big bank in the world, like 75% of the banks in the United States in highly regulated environments. And they are moving towards democratizing data because they do see that there are certain pieces of data that have to have that on one side of the spectrum, control, regulations, highly regulated pieces. And then there's a lot that's not. And they're actually finding competitive advantage in actually getting more and more people access and not thinking of this as a binary one or zero. I mean, there's a lot of gray here and organizations have to spend the time talking about this. You know, they have to have a governance committee that says, is this okay? Okay, cool. Yeah. But like you said, in a, in a nuanced way, not in a, I like you, how you put it, not in a binary way. They have to have that conversation in that nuanced way because it's very easy for someone to get in a position where like, I got burned once. I had a data breach once. I am not letting any data out of a controlled environment ever again. And it's very easy for them to see, you know what? I've got it all locked down. I feel comfortable. Hey, maybe the business isn't moving quite so fast, but at least I won't get dinged for that too. So maybe you give me a sense too, especially when you're talking to yeah. banks, highly regulated, how are they still moving fast while still making sure that they're making the right choices with customer data? Yeah. It's too easy to crawl into a hole. I think everyone has been in a company or have led a company or an IT group where they've had a breach. That's just real. And it's really, really easy to pull back and be that person of no. I say, oh, because I'd, I'm more secure and I don't want to break anything. I think modern companies today, you know, absolutely want to make sure you, you don't do anything that's outside of the policies of the company. You want to protect the company, but you have to have the courage to find balance because that balance is a level of business enablement that your company needs. And if you're the IT leader that says no, and that's your first reaction, we're all, we've all been there. You know, it's like PTSD. You have to have the courage to come back and say, but things change. And the business is changing rapidly right now. And I think those really forward thinking companies like really, honestly, FinTech and financial institutions are some of the most forward thinking IT shops in the world. They have to be. They make money by being the most competitive digital companies in the world. They are absolutely the beacon that we should be looking at because they are not shying away from providing a more democratized way of accessing data. They are not shying away from that. And so if they're not shying away from it and they're finding a way to do this dynamic governance and they're finding a way to create data literacy of the tens of thousands of people in their company and they're willing to create a modern data stack, why can't you? I love that. I love the way you put that too, because that is inspiring. If you're in a highly regulated industry and you're willing to find the balance that you're talking about, Trevor, that should be inspiring to others to say, look, I'm not in that highly regulated industry. Why can't I look to some of the examples of some of the financial services organizations who are moving faster? Because there are fintech companies that are pushing really hard to eat the lunch of larger financial services companies. And of course, all for the benefit of the consumer. But as a CIO, I imagine there are many companies that are looking at that race that competition and seeing a need to move faster potentially than they are. And this is the opportunity. This is the CIO's opportunity. You know, you read a lot of the what's top of mind and, you know, like he started earlier, it was like cyber has been top of mind for years, right? 
data and analytics is now up there. Depending on which survey you read, it's one or two. Those guys are bouncing back and forth. It is your strategic imperative as a technology leader to figure this out. You need to find out how to govern your data in a way that allows that rapid innovation that comes from those insights. You have to spend time on this. You have to think through, you know, should I buy an Alteryx? Which and where are my data warehouses going to be? What are the visualization tools that are going to get us the best insights that we can leverage out? What are the low code, no code capabilities? How do I simplify this? Like, that's the other thing that I hear a lot of is like people, you know, you look at the hundreds of data analytics companies that are out there. Why are there so many companies out there? Because they see this business opportunity and you have to, as an IT leader, make sure that you have a team working on this to not go to every single VC startup, you know, whiz bang thing that's out there, be pragmatic and find the simple, sufficient amount of capabilities that anyone in the company can use. Like we've all invested in these data science platforms that are highly complicated, huge amounts of code. Like you got change management, like that's needed, right? Those are very, very complicated engines solving complicated problems. What about the rest of the company? What about the 98% of the other people out there who need that same level of access and understand that their jobs have changed. I think that's a really good perspective. And I think you've provided some good advice for those who are looking to kind of walk that path. And we have a section of the show that we call take it to the board. And that's sort of that board level conversation. What's that takeaway? What are you going to walk away from and actually walk into that? Whether it's just e-staff, whether it's with a CEO, whether it's a CFO, or whether it's in front of the board of directors. And so we're in economically challenging times as many are aware. And you recently wrote about the opportunity this creates for CIOs to drive data-based business decisions, not database, but based, based in data, and to ensure that the businesses gain competitive advantage, a lot of the stuff that you've been talking about. Now, can you, you know, maybe elaborate a little bit and give some of the advice on CIOs to ensure that their businesses will thrive in these economically challenging times with these headwinds and, and then beyond, you know, these economically challenging times. Yeah, we're, my CEO, Mark Anderson, just recently coined this, so I'm going to move it forward because I think it's true. We're, we're in this age of permanent crisis. Yes. You know? It feels like that, doesn't it? It's like change is happening so rapidly, it feels like a crisis. And if you just sort of step back and say, the business environment is changing day to day, your sector technologies that you're dealing with, your vertical that you're in is changing rapidly. You have to react quickly. The only way you're going to react quickly is if you have analysis of what's going on. That's essential. And so it goes back to the themes of, well, how do you get rapid analysis on good data that allows you to make better decisions faster? It comes back down to data literacy, more people in your company having access to the right data. Because if you do, then you'll have a competitive advantage over your competition. I made a decision faster so I could move faster. I was able to adjust my supply chain faster than my competition so I could extract better margin. I have ability to be able to understand that the talent market has moved. So with better insights, I know where to find that talent or I know how to make a decision around why and what I'm going to do around work from home or return to office. Like every function needs an operational advantage. And so when I'm in front of the board and we're talking about why democratization of data matters, you know, what is this about data-based business decisions? It's speed to insight. I like that speed to insight. Yeah. 
it's due to insight and your organizations that don't take this seriously and believe speed of insights only meant for the C-suite or only meant for the executives who have budgets that can get a data scientist to do something for them. The speed of insight is not for that precious single digit percentage of people in the company. It should be for 100% of the people in your organization. Do you think a metric would, would help drive that? Like a speed insight metric saying, look at what's the speed insight on this particular data set or problem. I don't know if that, if that's something you should measure, what do you think? You see that certain functions actually do this, right? It could be something as simple as how fast a finance team can close their books. That's the classic one for finance, right? Yeah. Applied being it's the SNOP process. How often can you run your SNOP process? Because if you can run it more faster and more iterations, you get better fidelity day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute. I could think of an example in every function where if they're able to do real time processing of data. And to be able to get to a decision and not have to wait, they win every time. Learn to extract that insight faster than their competition. Yeah, it's almost like everyone's on a game show right now where you have to hit your buzzer faster than everybody else in order to move forward. It's kind of intense. I love that. It's kind of intense. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. If you look at all the business books out there and they talk about Silicon Valley and innovation, the one measure of success that they talked about time and time again is time to market. Yeah. Okay, fine. Market. How fast mm -hmm. you got your product there. Usually the first mover's advantage wins the market. Mm -hmm. Well, time to insight's the same thing. First mover advantage. I got to an insight and then I was able to take an action, right? Who cares if an insight is there and you don't take action? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? There's so much data sitting in data warehouses that people are not getting insights to. They're not able to extract that action. And it's just, it's that simple. Yeah. Now, and to close this out too, where do you see AI changing all of this and providing, you know, a new way of doing what we've been doing for, you know, for years? Yeah. I'd love to talk to you more about AI. I, <laughs> I've been in the discipline for about 15 years now. I just luckily got into an industry that took AI seriously before others. The things that I've learned about AI, and a lot of it was machine learning, visual compute, natural language processing, where I, when I was in semiconductor. The things that I learned was data matters. Data quality matters, the shape of the data matters, the location of the data matters, the ability to match lineage, to be able to get access to that data matters. People are going to have AI in their commercial systems. Like every company is going to have an AI equivalent. Alterx has an AI capability we're releasing now called Aiden. Every company out there is going to say, we have a large language model that you can take advantage of for X, Y, Z. It's that disruptive. So this is why data and analytics is top of mind for technology leaders, because the really savvy ones who've been doing this for decades recognize that they're going to have to tear up their playbook and be able to rethink and reimagine what they do around data governance and data availability and data access. And this is where AI is going to matter because, you know, you hear about if the data isn't good or it's not trained well, you have hallucinations. It gives you bad answers. Yes. And you can't just trust it blindly. So you have to have this literate group of people. When we go back to data literacy, you need a literate group of people in your company who are going to have the ability to take advantage of these new AI enabled systems in this era of intelligence. You know, I think that's, I think that's well said because it is, it's a game changer. And I'm so excited to see what happens in this space. It is moving rapidly. I mean, I think the number of, you know, AI vendors was somewhere around like 1000 around, you know, which is like fall of last year, and it's going to be 10,000 or 20,000 by the end of the summer. It's absolutely exploding. So Trevor, thanks for coming on the show. 
anything you'd like to bring up and you want to let people know where they can find you online, where they can learn more about, you know, your work. Yeah. Hey, if anyone wants to reach out directly, I, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So happy to do that. All Church is a company. Think of us as your arms dealer for the data and analytics space. We don't care where your data warehouses are. We don't care which ones you're using. We don't care where you are in your journey. We feel like that we're in a great place to help people. So yeah. allchurch.com. Appreciate people looking at that. Excellent. Well, it's multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, wherever your data is. Anywhere, anytime. I'm always excited to hear our customers talk about how much they love our product. And that's why I'm at the company. The last thing is, is what we hit. Technologists today really have to take seriously what's going on out there. There's a lot of buzzword around generative AI and AI, blah, blah, blah. Think about the data. Think about the modern technology stack of data and analytics you have in your company. Invest the time now because it's only going to get more complicated and you have to get ahead of the new thinking. No, I think that's brilliant. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for joining the CIO Exchange podcast. Yeah, man. Hey, appreciate you having me here. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this latest episode. Please consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more insights from technology leaders, as well as global research on key topics, visit vmware.com slash CIO. AI-driven commercial technologies are just exploding, um, but they've been around for a while. I think we've we've been talking about machine learning. We've been talking about oh yeah, can we? we yeah, we'll need to pause there for a second because I think yeah, you know what? Dude. I just got my my gardener just walked by. We can ah uh, the gardeners. Yes, yep. I, I I feel your pain. The struggle is real. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just sense. pause a little bit here. So edit point, um, gardener edit point here. I think, I think he's walked away. I think we're in the clear. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Trevor. This is good. Uh, see, with stuff like this, it helps loosen up the conversation. I like it. You know, just keep it loose.